Welcome to the Equipping the Church podcast, where we help your church use technology well, and along the way, share remarkable stories from the local church. My name is Kristen Tete. I make things here at Faith Life, where we use technology to equip the church to grow in the light of the Bible. On a recent visit to the Faith Life campus in Bellingham, Washington, three seasoned reverends from the African Methodist Episcopal Zion Church sat down with me to talk about lessons they've learned from a century of ministry. In our third and final conversation in our bonus series, the reverends Dr. Darren Mitchell, Dr. Kenneth James, and David A. Williams share a word of encouragement for local pastors. Well, I want to close our time together with um, one final question, and I'm even sad that I'm closing this time together because, wow, I have learned so much from all of you. You have the ear of local churches and specifically local pastors. And so what would you say um, to encourage those pastors today? I would say uh, to local um, pastors, make sure that you stick with your family and your children, even if perhaps uh, they don't stick with you in the ministry that you're chasing so much after. Um, it's often been said to us, um, this goes back to Bishop Ballin, he would say it all the time, family's all you got, family's all you got, family's all you got. So you can't jump in this thing and alienate your family because it's over with, you got to go home to your family and you've got to be able to share with them. So I would really want um, local pastors to know that your children, um, your spouse has to go through you coming home and feeling this way and feeling that way and all those different kinds of things. And you may not have a spouse, but you might have, uh, it could be a sister or it could be mama, whoever. Somebody is connected to you in ministry and um, you got to stick with them, even though they don't understand how to stick with you. Because guess what? Sooner or later, just like I just said, so many more years, this thing is going to be over with. And I won't be reporting to a congregation, but I will be reporting to Christmas dinner. And I'll be reporting to Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> and I'll be reporting to birthday parties and retirement celebrations. And I need to be embraced. I need to be loved. And I need to show love and not come to those things being bitter and have that, you know, that type of uh, attention and stuff going on and making it happen. I've got a son and I got a daughter. I love them to death. They don't embrace. Uh, they love God. Now, don't get me wrong. Both my son and my daughter, they love God. Uh, my wife loves God and, and all that good stuff. But my children don't. They're not trying to do what I've done. But their heart for God and what they're what they want to contribute is just it's outstanding. And I need to stick with them to see where God's taking them. So I say to local pastors, stick with your family. And even if they don't stick with you, because you're going to need them and they're going to need you when you're no longer the pastor, the lead worship leader, the person at the church who's in charge. You read it this morning. You were sharing it this morning. I have it on my Kindle. Be grateful. Be thankful. Live with gratitude. Uh, there's that occasion in Scripture where Jesus and the disciples were dealing with the, the, the mass or the crowd of people, the stronger people, and they only had you know, five loaves, two fish. When it was in their hands, they complained about it being so small. But Jesus, when he took it, the first thing he did was he gave thanks for it. 
everything that was given to him, he lived from a place of gratitude. And when he gave thanks, it multiplied. I believe things, things, things move beyond us when we learn how to live from a place of gratitude. And I think that's, that's one of the things I'm, I'm learning to do now uh, in my own life is just be grateful. I'm not trying to compare myself or compete with anybody. Just being grateful for the people that God gives me, for the people who show up on Sunday morning, for the people who, who try to give their best, even, even, even those folk that become or are, are some, of my, some of my detractors, just being thankful for the opportunity and being thankful that God called me and, and being faithful to that sense of gratitude and, and just being mindful that, listen, you know, you talked about showing up for Thanksgiving, Christmas, 4th of July, but there's going to be a time, and we don't talk about it much, we're going to be showing up at funerals. Mm-hmm. And and what comes to mind is, you know, used to be a time when we were in school together and we used to hang together. I was always touting myself being the young one, but I can't say that anymore. This gray around my on my face and you know, the years that I've spent in ministry, you know, I'm not the young one. I'm getting older, and I dis- and I'm discovering people that I was in school with are dying around me. And just to be able to say, you know, I'm, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for the gift of now and, and grateful for where God has placed me. And, and not being, being so obsessed uh, with the numbers game and with trying to, trying to be out front, up front, or this struggle with being, being enough, this struggle with being sufficient. Just be grateful. Thank God for where you are, for what you're doing, and the fact that God called you to this great ministry every day. Just be thankful. Just be thankful for everything that God gives. You know, we stayed in a wonderful place. That place was was not built for us, but God created that space at Gracewood for us to be there, to have the kind of fellowship. You know, I wish we could stay two weeks. I mean, God knows I need it. But if I get so caught up in saying, you know what? I wish we could stay a little longer. I wish we can do this, do this or that. I, I miss the opportunity to thank God for the two days that I've spent with these gentlemen and with you and with the people of faith life. Thank God for it and live from a place of gratitude because joy doesn't come from doing. I think joy comes from being. So be grateful. That's me. And I guess my my advice or word would be to be authentic. Um, I, we were talking this morning over breakfast and I told him that uh, James Baldwin, who in so many ways I've wanted to be in my life, uh, he has now become one of my favorite theologians, not just my favorite author, but one of my favorite theologians. And I'm looking at this passage from the book Giovanni's Room that um, speaks to this authenticity issue. And Baldwin is relaying a conversation in this novel between Jacques and Giovanni, two of the characters in the book. And Jacques says, in my country, feeling a subtle war within me as I said it, the little fish seem to have gotten together and are nibbling at the body of the whale. 
That will not make them whales, said Giovanni. The only result of all that nibbling will be that there will be no longer any grandeur anywhere, not even at the bottom of the sea. Mm-hmm. And we have so many people who are trying to imitate and copy and mimic what they think is greatness or success. Wow. That they're not even being their real, true, authentic selves. Wow. Um there's a young preacher that I just had a conversation with, and he hasn't talked to me since because I guess I hurt his feelings. Oh, he, no. He, well, of course, if you know me, expect to have your feelings hurt if you ask me a question because I'm going to tell you the truth. <laughs> but he asked me about a sermon that he had preached, and I watched it. We were talking about this in the car earlier. Right, I remember. I watched the sermon, and I told him, I said, the problem with your sermon is he's 19 years old. And I said, you probably read some really good books and— consulted some great theologians and authors and you thought it was okay for you to repeat what they said and what they wrote about but you have no authority no gravitas no weight behind you at 19 years old to say some of the things that you said you're not there yet and um as we were talking about this, I told him a story about a sermon that I I preached first in 1978 And in 2010, I revisited that sermon. But on my revisit of the sermon, I looked in a commentary and found a quote, a story by Warren Wiersbe that he tells about two preachers who were listening to a young preacher preach. And they commented afterwards about the sermon. And one said, well, the sermon was good. It had good form. It had good structure. It had all the necessary elements of a good sermon. But he said, but something was missing. And the other preacher looked at his friend and said, yes, the thing that's missing will not be there until his heart gets broken. And Mm. sometimes we don't understand that the authentic self comes through brokenness. But as Henry Nouwen would say, crushed grapes are what makes good wine. Mm. Mm -hmm. You know, you got to go through some things. Mm. But that helps you to find the true self. You know, that helps you to find the real you. And if you spend all your life trying to be somebody else, what's that you say, Darren? That if being yourself is not enough. Being anybody else is too much. Yeah, you know, you got to find the authentic self. And it's such a journey to find that. It may t- It's taken me 61 years to find out who I am. And I'm still not finished discovering who that is. Because every day God reveals more to me about me. Hmm. And, and I'm not the person at 61 that I was at 31. And I'm really grateful for that too, by the way. You know, but that but that's part of the journey. So I would say be authentic. Just be you. God knew who you were when you started and it didn't surprise God. It didn't catch God by surprise. And God did not want you to be anybody else. When I just recently went to the eye doctor and the doctor told me when he looked at my at my eyes and he put that light in my eye and he said, you know, He didn't know he was preaching to me when he said this. He said, you know, your retina is as distinct as your fingerprint. Mm. I said, what? He said, yes. He said, you are the only person in the universe who has your set of eyes. Mm. Your retina. So, So, by the way, how insulting is it to God for God to have made you so unique that you have your own fingerprint, your own dental record, your own retina, and then you try to copy somebody else? What an insult. Mm. What an insult. Wow. You know, just be authentic. Hmm. There was a there was a 
if I can. There was a, and I learned this from a personality who just died, Marlene Bishop. I, I don't think, I'm, well, I'm just called a name. And beautiful lady, of course, as she went through her illness and wanting to be connected. Uh, now, she's been this big personality. I mean, known across the denomination, known across denominational lines. But it was in her sickness that I, I learned the preciousness, if I can say it that way, how precious life really is. And she shared things as she was making her transition. I mean, she was fully conscious as she was making her transition, telling me things that she wanted me to know and to communicate those things in a way that showed that she was in full possession of, of, of this process of transitioning. And I said that to say that sometimes as we, as we, as we engage in the search for the authentic self, oftentimes God hadn't, God doesn't have but one or two ways to give it to you. And it's oftentimes through our humanity and more often through our mortality. Mm-hmm. As, as we, as we go into those chambers and we all, we all must go through the chamber. I, I don't want to make this dismal and dour, but it, it is the beauty of that process and watching people as they, as they make transitions. Sometimes death is the courier. Uh, trouble and trial become the courier. But I think we see clearly who we are as, as authentic beings when we recognize that everything we place so much emphasis on and so much stock on and stock in becomes insignificant. There has never, you know, I've been, I've been a pastor 37 years. I have never seen a U-Haul truck follow a hearse to the cemetery. Mm-hmm. Don't take mm-hmm. none of this stuff with you. Mm-hmm. Can't take it with By the time you get to the funeral home, your relatives are fighting over your stuff. <laughs> your body not even embalmed yet. Not yet. And they figuring out how to get how to get your stuff. They already figured it out. They done divided it up, divvied it up, decided who's going to get what, and will fight if they don't get what they want. And probably started that whole conversation long, long before, before you that, right. long before you ever got to this That's point. Right. Well, we this this has ended in an interesting way. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? But that's to your point. That's what makes us uh, fully human hmm. is embracing that time element. You know, David yeah. talked about this in terms of saying, you know, maybe I don't want to do this rest of my life. Maybe there's something else for me. That's a time element to understand that, you know, none of this is eternal. None of this is eternal. So I, when I learned to embrace that, and by the way, face it with humor, face it with joy, face it with, you know, grat- gratitude every day. Gotcha. I don't know how many more days I have, but I know I'm grateful for the ones I've already enjoyed. Mm. Yeah, I'm grateful. Hmm. That's wonderful. Well, today is a gift. Thank you for this conversation. Oh, thank you. Thank you. We've been blessed to be here. Oh, well, you're always welcome to come back. You know that. Promise. Oh, yeah. Pinky swear. Okay, we got you. (laughs) Well, are you a pastor who served the church a long time? Share the lessons you've learned in our Equipping the Church community at faithlife.com slash ETC podcast. And while you're there, if you were moved by this conversation and anything in particular, let us know. 
We'd love to hear it. I wish this conversation could have gone on for hours. What an honor it was to get to ask questions of these three reverends. They are some of the most prolific pastors in the AME Zion Church. My opinion, of course. Did you have a favorite word of encouragement from today's conversation? Share it in our Equipping the Church community on Faith Life. Go to faithlife.com slash ETC podcast. Today's podcast was brought to you by Faith Life and co-produced by Amber Smith and me, Kristen Tete. Our audio technician is Jack Underwood. To subscribe and learn more about how to equip your church, go to faithlife.com slash podcasts slash ETC. If this is useful to you, take a moment to rate and review the Equipping the Church podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen. While you're there, give us your ideas for future episodes. And as always, we love hearing your stories. So share them with us at faithlife.com slash ETC podcast. Thanks for spending your time with us today. Blessings to you in your ministry.